Welcome to Down There Aware, a podcast bringing attention to gynecologic cancers and women's healthcare. Disclaimer, we talk about a lot of stuff on this podcast. Health stuff, girl stuff, period stuff. So if you don't want to hear that, you should turn us off. But you'll miss out on all of the educational opportunities. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. If you listened to episode one last week, you are familiar with Alex's cancer story. This week, she has asked me to discuss my perspective in learning about her cancer diagnosis and to share with you a little bit about being an advocate and a caregiver. I'm Mary, Alex's mama. Alex has dealt with several medical anomalies in her relatively short life, but cancer was never on our radar. We both inherited hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, HCM for short, which is a genetic heart condition that runs rampant on my mother's side. It's the condition often found after an autopsy is performed on a young athlete who suddenly drops dead during training, even though there is no history of a heart problem. Additionally, Alex was diagnosed with a serious neurological condition at the age of 15. Because of both of these medical issues, we have spent a great deal of time in hospitals and doctor's offices, as well as an inordinate amount of time researching these specific conditions and various treatment options. The phone call Alex described in episode one wherein she broke the news about her cancer diagnosis to her dad and me, came out of nowhere. As she mentioned, when she called while on a work trip to Pennsylvania and asked me to put the phone on speaker, I was certain she had some awesome news to share with us. I couldn't have been more wrong. She began speaking, and I knew immediately I was about to hear some very bad news. She was able to get the words out, I have cancer, before she broke down, sobbing hysterically. My initial thought was, cancer? How can she have cancer? I thought back to my conversation with her OBGYN in the waiting room after her DNC just one week earlier. He said, she did great. We'll send everything to pathology, but that's just routine. She's too young to have uterine cancer. He said it with such confidence that it took me off guard and I thought, whoa, I never even considered she might have cancer. I just figured she was going through some of the massive bleeding with huge clots both my mother and I endured when we were younger. My mother had a hysterectomy after her fifth child when she was 32 years old because of horrific periods. I had a hysterectomy at the age of 47 for the same reason. So when Alex started showing signs of the same heavy periods, I wasn't surprised at all and I figured, just like our shared heart condition, she got the bad period gene as well. 
So I took pause at the mention of cancer, but because her doctor so confidently said she's too young to get uterine cancer, I too was so confident that I never gave it a second thought. I would come to realize that statement was made to us by multiple doctors as we navigated our way through Alex's diagnosis, treatment, and recovery. I believe that's what initiated our commitment to try to change the narrative for gynecologic cancers. We quickly were made aware that maybe at one time it was very unusual for women in their 20s and 30s to be diagnosed with uterine cancer, but clearly something has changed and tragically, not everyone who needed to got the memo. It was all I could do to hold myself together while on the phone with Alex after hearing her news. I was heartsick that she was so far away from me. I was so sad to think of her on a strange road in a far-off city and all alone when she was given this news. All I could think to say to her was, Come home. Come home. Every mother knows when their child is hurting, your instinct is to hold them and assure them everything's going to be okay. I just wanted her to come home. Just a quick aside about the doctor giving Alex that terrible news over the phone. Do you remember when you went to your doctor for the first time being given several forms to fill out? One of those forms, usually at the back of the stack of documents, asks you how you want to receive information and gives you several options from which to choose. One of those options is, I give permission to be given lab results over the phone. I've always checked yes in the box beside that option, and clearly, so did Alex. I feel confident that never in the greatest expansion of her imagination did she ever consider she would be on a work trip, driving alone in a rental car, on a strange road in a city nearly a thousand miles from home, when she would be told, you have cancer. How could she ever even imagine that? That, my friends, is a lesson we learned. We should all pay very close attention to those boxes we check. Okay, back to the phone call. As I tried to digest this horrific news, I just kept wondering, shouldn't we have seen some signs or symptoms? If cancer was a possibility, wouldn't one of the many doctors Alex saw have requested some further testing before now. Why weren't we aware that some of what she's been experiencing pointed to possible cancer? Why aren't women informed that age is not always relevant for specific types of cancer? It quickly became clear to me we were wading through muddy waters. 
Alex returned home from her trip the next day, and it seemed every moment was consumed with discussions about her diagnosis. Looking back, I think I think we were both still in shock. Saying things to one another aloud at first seemed as though we were talking about someone else's cancer. The more we talked, though, the more reality came into view. The shock began to wear off, and the sadness began to sink in. We both cried a lot, although I tried to remain stoic around Alex and do my ugly crying in private. I knew she needed someone to listen to her. She didn't need to see my fear and my sadness consume me. She needed support and someone to love her. That someone was me. Through all of Alex's previous medical issues, I was present every step of the way. She was a minor child, and it was my responsibility as her mama to take the lead, arm myself with information, and protect her as best I could. Even as a teenager, I accompanied her to all doctor appointments, and I led the charge when it was time to butt heads with doctors during hospital stays if I felt their decisions were not in her best interest. I had to do that for both my children at some point in their lives. This time, however, is very different. Alex is an independent, self-sufficient young woman. I try to be careful not to tread on her independence, but I know the importance of her having an advocate, and that person for Alex, for now, is me. When she's married, it will be her husband, but until then, it's me. That doesn't mean she isn't capable of advocating for herself. It simply means a serious medical concern like a cancer diagnosis requires someone other than the patient to be aware of what's going on, to be present at appointments because four eyes and four ears are better than two, and to help synthesize all of the information required to get through treatment and recovery. Sometimes I play the devil's advocate. I ask some of the tougher questions and push a bit for complete answers or clarification in order to allow Alex to preserve that amicable relationship she has with her doctors. I also found it important to be a presence at doctor visits and hospital stays to provide Alex with someone to bounce ideas off of, someone to lean on in times of doubt or confusion, and another perspective on the diagnosis, treatment, and recovery. Certainly, adult patients should be allowed to make their own decisions regarding their care, but it would have been a very lonely decision-making process for Alex had she been left to do it all alone. Alex and I spent countless hours researching her medical condition and available treatment options. It's easy and almost second nature these days to Google any questions we may have about any subject. However, we found it very important that our research was personal and specific to Alex and her type of cancer. When Alex was facing a neurological issue a few years ago, I messaged a former student of mine who I remembered was working as a physician. 
neurology isn't her specialty, but I simply asked her, who do you think is the best neurosurgeon in our state? I trusted her as a professional in the medical field. And even though we had only been connected through Facebook since we were teacher and student, I knew she would be an excellent resource and I felt certain she'd be willing to help me. She directed us to an exceptional neurosurgeon in our area. And I'm happy to say he took wonderful care of Alex. That experience proved to me the value of tapping into any and all resources available to you when you're dealing with something as serious as cancer. Thanks, MJ. There are also many online sites created for those diagnosed with specific conditions to share their stories with one another, ask questions, and become more familiar with available resources. I believe these sites prove to be invaluable, especially to Alex, because she educated herself well enough that she wasn't swayed by emotion when reading about others dealing with the same condition, but rather she was inspired by some of the stories shared and she was motivated to be a positive force in trying to right some of the wrongs she read about. Some of these sites also gave her a community of young women who were going through something similar. An important lesson we both learned through these sites, almost always, regardless of the medical issue, it will manifest itself differently in different people. And just the same, conditions respond to medications differently in different people. So when reading the posts on these sites, you really can't compare apples to apples. We found it was imperative to educate ourselves in order to develop a clear understanding of Alex's experience. The information we gleaned from others provided points to ponder and discuss with Alex's doctors. Something Alex and I found very helpful is to carry a small tablet with us to doctor appointments and to keep the tablet accessible during hospital stays. It's very difficult to remember all the information doctors give you and all the answers to the questions you ask. Writing things down with times, dates, and names allowed us to look back when we didn't remember something. This really has proven to be important to both Alex and me. Even when we're talking to each other about something the doctor said, we've often had to look back at our notes. We found it's important not to hesitate to ask a doctor or nurse to repeat himself or to spell something out for you. Those medical terms just flow off the tongues of people who work in the field, but because we are lay people and not familiar with many multisyllabic medical terms, it's really important to take pause and be sure our notes are accurate. This was essential once we got home and began our own research. A patient's advocate can be a family member, a friend, or anyone with whom the patient feels comfortable discussing his or her condition in great detail. Some patients prefer an advocate who is like-minded because 
they feel more comfortable opening up to someone who has similar views. But other patients like to choose an advocate who may be a little different than they are, maybe more assertive or more thoughtful because they feel that's really the only way to be thorough. There really is no wrong choice as long as the patient and the advocate communicate effectively with medical personnel and with one another. As Alex's mama, I knew the doctors understood medicine much better than I did, but I also understood I knew my child much better than they did. Sometimes the answers to a medical problem aren't in test results, but rather in subtle nuances or slight changes in a patient that only a close advocate would notice and be able to communicate to the physicians. It takes many pieces of a puzzle to present an entire picture to medical professionals who are unfamiliar with a patient. Test results are certainly important puzzle pieces, but so are changes in a patient that go unnoticed by those who didn't know them before the medical issue presented itself. Doctors can only give complete and comprehensive care to patients if they have access to every puzzle piece necessary to see the whole picture. It doesn't mean the first doctor is a bad or inferior physician. It simply means whatever education, training, experience, and or intuition she has in regard to your case is not enough. It is her responsibility to give you her best, but it is your responsibility to decide if the doctor's best is what you need. You can be assured of what you need through research, tapping into resources, listening to others' experiences, knowing your own body and recognizing changes, and enlisting the help of a trusted advocate. You don't have to be a healthcare professional to manage your healthcare. You simply have to take charge and surround yourself with the best people to give you your best opportunity for healing. Now, if any of this sounds a bit instructional, that's really not at all my intention. I'm a career teacher, and I think it's just part of my DNA to learn and to teach in any and all situations I find myself. This one really has been no different. And honestly, I think that's why Alex and I saw such a great need for this podcast. We want others to share their stories and we want to learn from one another. Well, we are over six months post-op for Alex. Still, cancer is always on the surface as we go about our daily routines. And just as present with us on a daily basis is the fact that at the age of 32, Alex had to face the realization that she would never conceive and bear a child. Yes, she is well aware of the possibility of adoption and she is open to that, but that doesn't diminish the fact that she has had something very unique and precious to young women taken from her. When we watch television shows or we see commercials about pregnancy, gender reveals, or the joy of welcoming home a newborn, we both tear up 
We are thrilled for family members and friends who post birth announcements and baby pics, and we celebrate with them the blessing and the miracle of childbirth. But the joy we feel for them is silently met with the undeniable grief for what Alex has lost. Don't get me wrong. I thank God every day that Alex's cancer was found early and that her prognosis is good. I also know that Alex is so very grateful for that as well. However, we've experienced joy and grief sharing the same space, and we know gratitude and longing can reside together there as well. Thank you for listening. We'd appreciate if you would subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to and go ahead and leave us a review and rate us five stars if you like us. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram at down there aware. Thanks for listening. Bye.